Well, one of the challenges that I had, because it took me so long to get to Tanzania uh, a week and a half ago when I left, I left on a Wednesday and got there on a Friday, it took 47 hours to get there uh, because of a weather delay and a mechanical delay, is uh, by Sunday I had a cold. And uh, what happens when I get a cold when I fly, my ears get clogged. So I'm not... I'm a little foggy right now, so, and I can't hear everything I say, so I'll be right there with some of you. Uh, so I hope this uh, goes together okay, and, um, and actually I'm going to try to weave in some of what I experienced while I was over there, because it was a very unique trip, and I could tell it was going to be that way as soon as I had all the challenges right up front that I had with going on this trip and having the delays that I had and uh, actually uh, spending part of my time trying to get there sleeping on the floor of the JFK terminal in New York City looking like a homeless person. Um, You know, some of you might not be surprised, uh, whereas, you know, when I'm out of uniform... Some people probably looked at me and thought, who is that? Uh, But it was an interesting experience just getting there. And the rest of it had its other uh, challenges and blessings along the way. But one of the blessings in going is that I had the privilege and opportunity to preach. And part of the task of the preacher is to take what is given to them whether it be the scripture or whether it be the person who is inviting you in this case, and figure out what it is you're going to say and how it is you're going to say it. And in many ways, that's the task of every Christian, is to take scripture and say, what is God trying to say to me? What is he trying to say for my life? How do I understand him? Who do I understand him to be? And what is he trying to tell me to do? This is Trinity Sunday. You probably picked that up in listening to the collect, possibly in listening to some of the hymns, possibly in listening to the the readings. But in the church calendar year, we focus on the Sunday after Pentecost on the Trinity. And it's one of the more complicated ideas and mysteries in the Christian faith. In fact, I've had a number of different assistants down through the years who have worked with me here at St. Luke's. And there seems to be an accepted truth amongst the assistants, or even a joke amongst the assistants, is you always give the assistants Trinity Sunday because it's so hard to preach. Now see, I don't really believe that. I think it's very complicated, and it's really a challenge. But God is Trinity. We say it every Sunday in various and sundry ways. We say it in the Creed. Every Sunday, I believe in God the Father. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son. I believe in God the Holy Spirit. We say that every Sunday. 
So in a sense, that's a truth that is real in our lives. But trying to figure that out and what God as Trinity means is very complicated. Last week when I was invited to preach in Tanzania, the way that that ended up happening where I went and how I preached in the particular place that I preached, I was invited by the Bishop of Biamarulo. It's a place that I had never been to. And I was teaching at the Anglican Leadership Institute in Charleston in January. And Bishop Vitalis Yusuf had heard that I had been to Tanzania before, and he said, if you're coming to my country, I'd love for you to come to my diocese. Well, that eventually became not only what I love for you to come to my diocese, I'd love for you to preach at my cathedral. And I said, well, it's going to be Pentecost Sunday. And he said, that's great. And then about a month ago, he said, and oh, by the way, can you talk about what you talked about in Charleston, which was on Nehemiah, has nothing to do with Pentecost. And I said, well, it's Pentecost Sunday. He said, okay. So I thought, how do I put these two ideas together? Because Nehemiah, you're talking about building the wall around Jerusalem. Well, then I began to think about it and pray about it. They are building a cathedral in a brand new diocese that's very poor. A 1,500-seat cathedral. And they're very challenged by that. So I thought, okay, I can talk about that being their challenge, just like the people in Jerusalem during the day they were in, And the power of the Holy Spirit and how the Holy Spirit works in us when we're weak and when we're broken. So I got very excited about it. And then I had a 47-hour trip. And then I got up the next morning and I had another journey to go on. A trip to the airport and a two-hour flight. And what was told to me, a three-hour drive that turned into a five-hour drive. But the bishop said, but you'll like the hotel I got you. It's one of the better ones in Biamarulo, and it has hot water, so you'll be able to have a hot shower in the morning. So I got up the next morning at 5.30, and I had a coffee cup that I brought with me, and this little wire thing that you can put in a cup of water, and I had a bottle of water, and I had instant coffee. I was all set, because I start off with coffee in my quiet time. And I did have electricity at that point. So I had my quiet time. I was praying. I prayed about my sermon. I was getting all ready for the morning. It was about 6.30. And I decided, okay, time to shave and shower and get ready for having breakfast and then getting over to the church. Well, I literally, and I'm not kidding, I turned to walk to the bathroom, and the electricity went out. And if you know anything about the countries over there, when the electricity goes out, there's no water. Because the water is driven by a pump. So now I'm thinking, great, I don't have hot water because I don't have water. So I thought... 
what am I going to do? So I turned the sink on and there's a trickle of cold water that came out of the sink. So I thought, good, I can shave. It's dark, but I always bring this with me. I've learned. So I was able to shave. You know, it's amazing how God equips you. And then I did a sponge bath with a trickle of water. Took a little longer than a shower might. And I was ready for the morning. It's really amazing how the Lord prepared me for this. He prepared me in terms of being able to be prepared with the scripture. He prepared me with being able to deal with the challenges that came along. God wants us to constantly grow. You know, why is it in the church that sometimes, as we're raised in the church, we go through Sunday school as a kid and then we think we've arrived, we don't grow anymore? Or why is it that when we go to confirmation, <coughs> we stop going to any kind of classes or stop reading the Bible or growing? Or why is it that we think that, you know, I kind of know everything I need to know? When in fact we're talking about a God who is Trinity. He's infinite. In many ways, he's beyond our comprehension. We grow by reading his word as he speaks to our hearts and he speaks to our minds. We grow as we spend time in prayer, as we learn to pray for others and we see him work and we learn to rely on him. We grow as we serve. And I'm not just talking about serving in general because everybody serves people. When we're children, we serve our parents and we serve the family. When we're adults, we serve our children and we serve other people. Serving is a part of life. I'm talking about serving the Lord in the context of his church, <clears throat> which Jesus, when he's speaking here, had just washed the apostles' feet. He was about to go to the cross. It's about sacrificial love. That we are to constantly be growing. And it never stops. I mean, we have people in our lives around us that we're constantly seeking to know and we're getting to know more and more through the years. If your parents are still alive, you're still getting to know them. A thought on Father's Day. And happy Father's Day to all you fathers. If you have children, your children are constantly evolving and changing. You're coming to know them. If you're married and you have a spouse, you never know them. <laughs> Although you continually seek to. 
and you have friends that you're growing in that friendship, they are all finite. How can you possibly think that you've ever arrived at knowing the Lord and knowing his will for your life and knowing what he wants to do in you and with you and through you that is constantly changing and evolving? I see that with me. If you had told me 20 years ago that I was going to be a missionary to Africa, I would have said, no, I'm quite content with going to like Dominican Republic and Honduras. No, thank you. It's now my 12th trip. If you had told me that I was going to do what I did this time, that I flew into Dar es Salaam and then I go the other end of the country from southeast to northwest I would have said I don't think so if you told me that I was going to be able to handle the challenges that I handled on this trip and not be ugly and not get angry I would have said, I don't think so. You don't know me. It's amazing. And what the Lord did is he continually and constantly changes you, changed me. Notice how this passage begins. I have much to tell you, but you can't bear them now. Now that's an interesting phrase. They weren't ready. You know, maybe because of age and maturity, there are times in our lives we're not ready. We're not ready to hear certain things that our parents, we say, can you tell us about this while you're really not ready? And there are times as adults we're really not ready to handle some of the things, the challenges that we might take on in our job in life itself, and in ministry, that God wants to prepare us for as time goes on. But we have to take the steps to get there. We have to continually grow to get there. That God will change us and evolve us and grow us and use us and bless us and bless others through us And the apostles weren't ready. Not yet. The cross had not happened yet. They didn't fully understand. The resurrection hadn't happened yet. Pentecost hadn't happened yet. And the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. They were in the upper room at this point. As John 14.1 says. Because they were with Jesus getting their final instructions. And Jesus was dealing with their troubled hearts. They had doubts and they had fears and there was still conflict and there were still challenges that they had yet to have addressed. And so Jesus was beginning to teach them. He was beginning to give them instructions. He was beginning to prepare them. And he had much more for them 
And they had to learn. And we have to continue to learn and grow. You know, it's interesting on my flight back, back in JFK again, as I was waiting for a flight, this woman named Susan sat down next to me. Susan, I'm guessing, was in her late 70s, let's say. And Susan and I got to talk. I'm very shy. And so I said to Susan, you know, where are you coming from? Where are you going? So then she said to me, where are you coming from? And I said, Tanzania. And she said, oh, what were you doing there? Were you like on a vacation safari? And I said, no, I'm a pastor. And she said, really? (laughs) It's often people's reaction. And I said, yeah, I was over there teaching and preaching. And she said, you know what's neat is we all basically believe the same thing and we all basically believe in the same God. Wrong person to say that to. So I said to her, I said, you know, it's interesting. If you were to say that over in Tanzania to some of the people that I saw and some of the people that I ran into, like maybe some of the Muslims or some of the Indians, I said, not only would they not understand what you've said, they probably would be insulted by what you said. And she looked at me, wide-eyed. And I said, for example, do you know that Hindus believe in thousands and thousands of gods? Do you know that Buddhists don't believe in God? Do you know that we believe in a God that's Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and Muslims believe in just a God? One God, no Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, not a trinity. I said, do you know that we believe that, as our Bible says, God is love and the Quran does not have a word for love in it? She said, really? And I said, What you said defies reason. I said, what you said is an insult to anybody who believes their faith strongly. And I said, we in America want to genericize. We want to smooth it all over. We want to make everybody feel good, but it's not honest. And I said, And if anything, Jesus wants truth. And it's because Jesus said, I am the truth. And he said, the Holy Spirit will guide you into all truth. She said, wow, I understand why you're a teacher. That was a great line. It means that her eyes were beginning to open. That's why Jesus said, the Spirit will guide you into all truth. Because he said just earlier, I am the way, the truth, and the life. 
No one comes to the Father but by me. And they began to understand that more and more as time unfolded. Because in just a few hours, the cross. And then in three days, the resurrection. And then Pentecost, where the Holy Spirit would empower them to do ministry. See, we live in a day where people want to rewrite history about Jesus. And history in general. That's called revisionism. We live in a day where people in the media want to discount any Christian morality. They want to spin it. We live in a day where allegedly morals have evolved because of feelings has nothing to do with fact or scripture. But God is interested in truth. And when we're open to him and who he is and his word and the power of the Holy Spirit working in us, he will guide us into all truth. That's what Jesus said. And that's why Paul writes in Ephesians 4, don't be like children that are tossed about on every wave and wind of doctrine that's tossed around by people out there. Don't do it. And that's why Paul writes to Timothy that people are out there with itching ears listening for a teacher that says what they want to hear. But the Holy Spirit wants to guide us into all truth. Jesus then goes on to say he won't speak of his own accord. Why? Because the Trinity acts together. Just as Jesus says, I don't do what I don't see my Father do. The Father is who I imitate. I will only speak what the Father tells me to speak. And when Jesus said, I will send you the Holy Spirit, and he says, another counselor, he said, someone just like me, that's what the Greek says, someone that will draw alongside you just like I was there. Someone that will walk with you and be in you. That's how close you are to the truth, if you're open to the truth. That's how you'll have the ability to walk in my way. To live the life that I call you to live. Because I will empower you. Just as the Trinity is community, we're invited into that community of love. That he wants us to know his mind and heart. And he wants us to be one with him. He goes on to say, the spirit will glorify me. Why is that? See, when we think of glory in our culture, we think of fame. We think of recognition. 
You know, people in our culture want fame and recognition. People in our culture are willing to do all kinds of things for fame and recognition. People are willing to do heinous crimes. They're really willing to do stupid things. Just look at some of the shows on TV. Just so people can become famous. Glory in Scripture is different. When Jesus says that the Father will glorify me, he's talking about lifting him up. He's talking about being crucified. He's talking about sacrificial love. And when Jesus says, I will glorify the Father, he's talking about how he will die out of love for the Father, out of submission to the Father, out of love for people. That's what will bring him glory. That's what will bring the Father glory. And the Holy Spirit, the way the Holy Spirit works, covertly. He's a spirit. He's not obvious. Because he wants to lift up Jesus. To glorify the Father. They all defer. They all submit. They all, if you will, have each other's back. That's how we are to live life. Not seeking our own glory, but the glory of God. Lifting up Jesus Christ in our life, in our words, in how we live. You know, I want to go back to the Isaiah reading. And the reason I want to go back to the Isaiah reading is... There's some similarities. We are very familiar with a lot of Isaiah passages because of Handel's Messiah, because of the suffering servant passages, because of all the prophecies that we talk about that Jesus fulfilled that that fill the pages of the New Testament. So many quotes from Isaiah. But what we have in Isaiah 6 is the very beginning of his ministry. And by the way, if you don't know What follows this passage of Isaiah being called? You ought to read the next few verses. Because Isaiah says, here am I, send me. And God says, great, you're going to go out there and preach and no one's going to listen to you. How about that for a wonderful promise for your ministry? It's not something they usually tell you when you go to seminary. Now that we're ordaining you, you're going to go out there and you're going to preach the word and no one's going to listen to you. I am so excited. But Isaiah is in the temple. He flees to the temple because it says the year that King Uzziah died. Uzziah had been king for decades. He had had a long reign. Israel had known prosperity and peace And they had grown comfortable and complacent in their faith. And Isaiah included in that. If you noticed, he had unclean lips. That was probably only part of his problem. But he had the basics of his faith. And when Uzziah died, 
The world of Israel was turned upside down and he fled to the temple. And he said, our world is falling apart. I need you. Just like the apostles in the upper room with their troubled hearts and when they fled there when Jesus was being crucified and died and they were fearful. And he had a vision of the Lord and it says his train, his glory filled the temple. And he was cleansed and he was called and he was commissioned. It was the same for the apostles, and it's the same for us. That's why Jesus went to the cross. We need to be cleansed. That we understand Jesus to be our Savior and our Lord. That it's not about our will. It's not about what we want to believe. It's not about our feelings that are contrary to what God is calling us to, but rather to conform those feelings to his will. To be transformed by the power of the Holy Spirit. Called into a relationship with him. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. To understand the depth of his love. To understand the truth of his word. To be empowered by his Holy Spirit. And commissioned. To then live the call that he has on our lives. To live the life of Jesus Christ. blessed to be a blessing and to live for his glory. That's just a part of what it means to understand the Trinity. Let's pray. There are so many truths floating around the world today. What people believe about God, about life, about how to live, about truth. And we hear today that the Spirit will guide us into all truth. To the one who is truth, Jesus Christ who died for us and rose again. The one who sent the Holy Spirit to guide us into all truth and to bring us to a deeper knowledge and love of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Lord, help us this day to open our minds and hearts to you to seek an ever-deepening knowledge and love of you. To open ourselves more and more to be transformed by you. And to learn what it means to live by your love and live for your glory. And we pray this in your precious name, Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen.